The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl G., your host, and I'll be with you for the hour. With us today, we have Gerald McFadden, President and CEO of Volunteers of America Southwest, and Ian Batista, President of United Neighborhood Centers of America. Welcome to both of you. Welcome. Thank you, Cheryl, for having me. Yes, thank you for joining us. You know, before we move into our topic for today, which is going to be striving and thriving amidst economic turbulence, I'm going to ask each of you just to share a little bit about yourselves and, your, and the organizations that you lead, and that way each of us will have a little bit of a reference point regarding the perspective that you bring. Ian, why don't we start with you? Could you okay, give us a little bit about yourself and your organization? Thank you so much, Dr. G. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you. And, um, so first of all, United Neighborhood Centers of America is a network of about 150 nonprofit community-based organizations throughout the United States. And uh, we uh, are the kind of modern-day stewards, I guess you could say, of the Settlement House movement that was started before the turn of the last century by Jane Addams, Lillian Wald, Graham Taylor, and other uh, notable, uh, notable uh, social progressives of their day and age. Um, we now exist to really strive for uh, for uh, social justice and neighborhood progress uh, in ur- largely urban uh, centers uh, around the United States, and our members work very tirelessly on achieving you know the ends of social justice, um, educational equality, uh, all of the other um, aspects of what it will take us to be a successful society. I came to uh, Unca about four and a half years ago. Uh, from my native uh, Kansas City, Kansas, where I was working as a community-based nonprofit executive uh, for an organization called El Centro. Okay, great. Thanks, Ian. And, Gerald, could you give us a little bit of your background in the organization that you lead? Well, thank you so much, Dr. G, again, for, for having me on this today. I really appreciate this opportunity. Uh, Volunteers of America is a national uh, faith-based, non-denominational social service organization that has 41 different affiliate uh, corporations across the United States. So we service approximately uh, 400 cities with a variety of, of social services. However, our focus as an organization, as a national organization, really is social services of a varied nature. Uh, we're one of the largest providers of affordable housing in the United States, and we have a major emphasis on aging services and caregiver support services. Uh, The corporation that I have a responsibility for is one of those 41 affiliated uh, corporations. We're independently incorporated uh, within the state, and we have jurisdictional responsibility for 
what would be classified as the southeastern part of Southern California and the state of Arizona. Uh, our primary focus as an organization in Southwest California is a focus on the education and social development of young children, uh, the treatment and rehabilitation of adults with addiction and mental health uh, challenges, and aging and caregiver services. Those are our primary focus areas. Uh, I came to Volunteers of America 28 years ago. Uh, and in that 28-year history, uh, it has given me a pleasure to uh, be a part of the growth of uh, this organization. Uh, today, uh, Volunteers of America nationally is about a $900 million organization, and locally uh, we operate a, an affiliate corporation at about $17 million. Uh, the organization has allowed... Uh, me the opportunity to make a difference in our local community, and, and I came to it via being a native of Washington, D.C. Um, I've sat on a number of local uh, boards, uh, including United Way, uh, National Board of Directors, and uh, have had the opportunity to do some training in organizational development as an adjunct professor with Portland State University. So it gives me a great deal of pleasure to be here today to talk about this very important topic. Yeah, wonderful, great. And, Gerald, I guess I learned something every day. I didn't realize you were a native of Washington, D.C. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have Washington finest here. Wonderful. <laughs> so um going to start, and I guess, Ian, we'll go back to you and just ask you to share a little bit of the perspective with regards to how the economic climate is impacting the organizations that are in your network. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. Thanks, uh, Dr. G. So I can tell you that it's a real uh, mixed bag of... Um, of effects and also a mixed bag of approaches uh, for kind of navigating through those choppy waters on the part of the 150 uh, organizations that are part of our network. And so to put it into a little bit of context, that, that combined network has about uh, $1 billion uh, worth of service delivery in the various cities and towns and neighborhoods that they're working in. Um, you know, we're seeing that for some of the larger, um, higher-capacity organizations in our network, uh, you know, those would be the, the range of our network size are organizations that have annual budgets of $250,000, uh, ranging all the way up to organizations that have uh, budgets the size of $220 million a year. So it's quite a lo uh, large range. The, uh, the median size in our network is about a $5.5 million budget with about 50 or so staff. So that kind of puts it into context for you. We're seeing that the larger organizations are um, able to cope uh, much better, and that's really not a huge surprise, but it is a little bit interesting that they have been able to cope through some of these choppy waters through, um, for example, the ARA funding that the federal government has um, has uh, turned to uh, nonprofit community-based organizations and other systems of service delivery to um, to deliver into uh, neighborhoods and communities around the country, uh, they have really uh, been successful because they were previously tapped into those uh, to those systems, those delivery systems of uh, programs and services. For some of the smaller organizations, it's been uh, quite the opposite story. So. Uh, you know, there have been organizations, quite honestly, that were part of our network or that organizations uh, that are comparable uh, to those in that uh, size range that have, you know, frankly gone out of business in, in the course of the past 24 months or so. Uh, those that have survived have had to make really tough decisions around 
what uh, parts of their work they're going to continue to do, uh, what parts of their work are you know uh, a priority, what opportunities are the most uh, promising within the work that they're doing, so that they can really focus in on on those opportunities going forward. Um, so it's been a real mixed bag. The you know the really refreshing uh, thing that I would like to kind of offer into this discussion is that you know despite all of the kind of the economic challenges that our country has faced, what we've seen that has been promising to us is just the uh, the willingness to embrace responsibility on the part of neighbors uh, in the neighborhoods where our members work. And when I say neighbors, I not only mean you know those. Uh, families, you know, that live uh, and that have uh, that live in the neighborhoods, or that have you know children in our early childhood development programs, or you know adults that are coming to English classes, or you know working with our members in a variety of different development opportunities. I also mean the corporate partners that are part of that mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a tremendous amount of generosity and time, you know, volunteer time, expertise uh, on the part of some of our corporate partners that have. Uh, engineers and architects and other, you know, business professionals that can provide in-kind consulting that will, you know, in effect save money for our members. But then we've also seen uh, some really uh, nice generosity on their part in terms of in-kind goods, of food, uh, other, uh, other, you know, products and services, uh, and cash also. So um, there has been, uh, I think, a an answer to the call for increased civic responsibility. Uh, that has come through some of the economic challenge that our country's seen, and you know that's heartening. Uh, I don't think that it can be the entire answer uh, to the equation, but I think it goes a long way to mitigating some of the challenges that nonprofit organizations are experiencing as a result of you know uh, the markets uh, being uh, in, a, in a tough spot. You know, the markets being in, in a bad way really affects philanthropic funding, you know, from foundations. Um, it also affects sometimes corporate funding. Uh, it definitely affects tax revenue, and then tax revenue in turn uh, affects the amount of uh, government dollars that are available for programs and services from the federal level on down to the local level. So, you know, they've been trying to navigate through those waters the best they can. You know, the short of it is that the larger, higher capacity organizations have much more wherewithal to weather the storm, whereas some of the smaller nonprofits have had to look at you know, survival strategies, quite honestly, and mm-hmm. some of those have meant that they've turned to, you know, uh, more significant partnerships with one another. They've turned to uh, opportunities to merge with other organizations, uh, to be acquired by a larger nonprofit here and there in order to preserve just the, uh, the history and the ethic of the programs and the work that they're doing with their neighbors. Okay, great. And, uh, Gerald, I'm going to ask you to pretty much... Um share the same thing. We're going to be transitioning to a break here shortly, but um, maybe I can have you just start and we'll pick up where you uh, leave off as we get ready to make a transition. Okay, surely, uh, Dr. G. Uh, you know, I think uh, Ian has uh, really put his hand on the pulse of a lot of key issues affecting, you know, how organizations are really navigating during this, this very challenging time. Uh, I believe it is both a, a curse and a blessing. Uh, I think that Max Dupree really had uh, this period of time in mind when he described leadership really as the ability to continuously keep your eye on the vision of the future while navigating the challenges of the the here and now. And I think what we're seeing uh, today is really... 
public policies being enacted that are very deliberate and uh, focused on really the reduction of cost and using strategies such as uh, increasing eligibility standards and reducing services through regulations. We're just seeing more and more of that across the federal level, the state level, and the, the local counties in, in which we, uh, we're doing businesses. And this has really resulted in really a significant loss of services, um, both uh, services that have uh, been no longer classified as eligible for reimbursement and loss of services due to uh, the decrease in funding. And uh, as a result of that, we have uh, many individuals that are at our doors that, uh, again, uh, we then we have actual capacity to be able to serve today. Okay. I think is a, mm-hmm. a, a byproduct of that. Or do we need to transition, Doctor? Yeah, you know what? Okay. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. We're going to just put a comma right there. Okay. And take a short break. And I'm going to ask everyone, please stay tuned for more on Leadership Matters. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Get ready for an exciting and eye-opening hour every week on Globe Talk with Avisant. Join your host, Kevin Parikh, for an inside look at the world economy with a special focus on technology and its impact on humankind. We will invite the top industry experts to our forum and answer your questions, too. Globe Talk with Avisant airs live every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Welcome back to Leadership Matters. With us are our guests, Gerald McFadden, President and CEO of Volunteers of America Southwest, and Ian Batista, President of United Neighborhood Centers of America. We're discussing just ways to survive and thrive during these challenging economic times. Gerald, before we went to break, you were sharing a little bit about your perspective of what you're seeing. We'll have you just pick up and continue there. 
Yes, as I mentioned, uh, I, I think this uh, the climate that we're in has been both, as I said, a curse and, and a blessing. I think on the, the curse side of the equation, as I was mentioning, I think we've seen a shift in public policy that is intended to reduce costs that results in the uh, reduction of service availability to individuals at, at all levels of, of government, federal, state, and county. I think also what has happened with this continuous um, um, reduction of costs that nonprofit organizations have been experiencing, it has almost been as if the, there's been a, a mentality of uh, do more with less that is now creating a, a burden that is both affecting the um, staff that are in the workplace in terms of their delivery of services and also uh, the availability of services to clients. Uh, one of the other things that we're really seeing is that there really is becoming a reluctancy for some of the new talent to enter the nonprofit sector for fear of its um, instability and fragmentation as a result of this funding. And I think these are things we're going to have to keep our eye on uh, that are resulting from the, the downside of uh, the, the changes in the economy. But on the upside, I think some things that have occurred that are really uh, good for the sector is that it is really for forced us to examine our mission very closely and to look at what are those core services that are associated with uh, our mission and how do we make decisions to effectively uh, prepare ourselves for the future and make wise pruning decisions so that we really choose those services that are core to our mission to really move forward and build on. I think it's forced governing boards and management to think strategically about their future and how the partnership is necessary between the, the governing body and also the, the management group to navigate this, uh, this climate that we see ourselves in. And one of the things I'm really pleased to see is that it is really bringing about really the facilitation of, of beneficial uh, mergers and strategic alliances that have, in fact, produced leverage benefit that uh, really has increased the continuity and capacity of service delivery in communities across uh, uh, our county. And uh, I think these are some very good things that we uh, have built on and that we need to continue to, to uh, look at as we, we navigate these choppy waters. Okay, great. Thanks, uh, Gerald. You know, um, I'm going to ask both of you just to maybe think about specifically, what, are, what have your organizations been engaged in doing? Um, Ian, what's ANCA doing to really um, maybe add more value to its network of members, is there anything that, that the organization is doing that uh, you think has been helpful to help organizations move through um, these, these challenging times, or are there things that your member organizations are doing that you think might be noteworthy for others just to be aware of because it might work for them? And then, Gerald, I'm going to ask you to just think about it also with regards to what have you been engaged in doing at your organization and what might you share with us that might be helpful that others might consider? Ian, why don't we begin with you? Great. Um, and so let me let me address it kind of at the two levels that you mentioned, Dr. G. Both you know what Unca uh, does and is doing and plans to do. So Unca has been around. We'll be kicking off the celebration of our hundredth anniversary next week. Um, and so you don't you know survive, I guess, really to be a hundred years old unless you're very adaptable 
and we've lived, I guess, as an organization, and many of our members are much older than we are. You know, the, the first settlement house in the U.S. is going to be celebrating its 125th anniversary uh, to go along with our 100th anniversary. So, you know, they're very adaptable organizations. Congratulations on that, by the oh. way. It's not, that's a huge milestone. It is. You know, and we're excited about it. We'll be celebrating for a year. Uh, so it'll be plenty of opportunities for folks all around the country to uh, you know, kind of celebrate with us. But, you know, we don't want to get too um, too busy congratulating ourselves or patting ourselves on the back because there's so much to do in the here and now and looking forward. And, you know, part of that is really the imperative, you know, the leadership imperative for UNCA on the national level uh, to really respond to the current um, challenges that nonprofits in our network are facing. And so we're we're being very diligent around enhancing the vendor relationships that we have. So we have some really um, interesting and tried-and-true vendor partnerships where we're working with uh, purveyors of services and products that nonprofits and you know even private uh, uh, corporations uh, purchase in, in the course of their daily business. But we're able to leverage the buying power of the 150 or so organizations in our network uh, to be able to get better uh, pricing to get uh, preferred customer service and those types of things. So, you know, we're, we're fully uh, committed to making sure that there's a, a positive return on investment for the membership dues and participation that our members are investing into UNCA. And, and we, you know, are confident and we know that in some of the cases our members are saving a substantial amount of money, you know, with one uh, particular vendor um, and I won't mention names, you know, to put plugs in or anything like that, but uh, with one particular vendor, they shared a report with me uh, that during the course of 2006 to 2009, you know, beginning you know, of January 1, 2006 to December 31st of 2009, they were able to save our participating members about $4 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in some of those cases, that was, you know, a quarter of a million dollars or, or uh, in that ballpark that they had saved that organization over the course of that uh, four-year period. You know, and that's, that's enough money uh, to keep a program together. That's enough money mm-hmm. to make a substantial difference, um, you know, with an early childhood development program and all of the commensurate return on investment that comes to those types of um, programs. Mm-hmm. So on the national level, that's kind of the perspective that we're taking and helping to maximize the benefit that we uh, provide to our members through vendor relationships, cost savings, and, you know, where possible bringing um, uh, value to the table in the form of grants, uh, whether those are passed through or shared uh, resource development, um, in-kind goods and services and that type of thing through some of our partners. On the local level, though, and this is where it gets really exciting, our members are particularly entrepreneurial. So... Uh, I'll let you know that some of our members have launched into, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors or social enterprise, whereby they've created programs and services that are somewhat congruent with their mission, uh, so that they can uh, create additional revenue that will then help to subsidize uh, mission-related um, uh, programs that maybe aren't as uh, flush with capital or those that don't have, you know, revenues in, the, in excess of expenses. And so, so that's Ian, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, ask us to maybe put a pause there okay. a and uh, pick back with just, a, up with just a few thoughts from you, and then we'll have Gerald jump in. We're okay. going to take another short break. Please stay tuned for more on Leadership Matters.
Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Have you heard about sustainable investing? Simply put, it's investing in companies that commit to a resource to enhance the quality of life so it is not depleted or permanently damaged. And that means that resource will be around to benefit for the future. Join host Kara McMillan for Demand More, a program that will take you behind the scenes of sustainable investing. You'll learn to create wealth and feel great about it. In this economic period, you can lead, follow, or run away. It's your choice. Tune in Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Okay, and we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Our guests today are Gerald McFadden, President and CEO of Volunteers of America Southwest, and Ian Bautista, President of United Neighborhood Centers of America. We are discussing how do we support, how do we move forward, how do we um, really, I guess, continue to have our nonprofits thriving during these challenging economic times. Ian, before we went to break, you were sharing, and I'm going to ask you just to kind of pick up with where your thoughts left off. Okay, wonderful. Uh, so as, as I had mentioned, you know, in addition to some of the uh, social ventures um, and, and some deliberately planned and business planned to be, um, to be uh, contributors, uh, net contributors to the nonprofits, there are also other uh, interesting configurations of our members that we've seen uh, just happen organically, uh, not necessarily through mergers and acquisitions, but through very creative partnerships. I'll give you one example. There's a group of our members in, in a metropolitan area that have decided to create a common uh, back office operation that they will all share. So, you know, one organization, for example, had a great uh, human resources director. One had a very good uh, information technology department. Uh, one had a great finance uh, uh, department and, uh, and CFO. So what they've done is they've collapsed all of their back office operations uh, into one common back office, and they share it. Uh, so mm-hmm. they've gone now from just the initial three or four organizations that were part of that configuration to now include seven uh, organizations, and they're growing. Uh, 
Right. Uh, so, Ian, actually, that's an interesting piece. Let me just stop there and say, um, what has that? How long has that been, and has it been long enough to figure out how that's going? Yeah, uh, it has. It's been uh, in operation and full operation uh, for about the past three years. Now, they have added uh, services onto it, so they started with finance, they, then they added IT, then they added HR. Uh, they now are starting to look at other opportunities for, you know, shared resources or shared, um, you know, uh, employee arrangements like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will tell you that they were surprised, and I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school and telling you uh, what they have told me. They say, you know, we thought that we would uh, save money going into this, but the net effect of it is that we haven't really seen a huge savings in any of our operations. But what we have seen is that we can all afford collectively higher quality of back office services that allow us to be better at our mission. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about why they're in operation, which for all nonprofits, right, is our missions, um, they have actually been able to devote more time resources and be more effective in working on their mission as a result of this, you know, common back office operation. So I've seen that uh, now uh, started to be replicated in some other cities as well. I would imagine that there are other very creative approaches to helping to save uh, resources, but also just to maximize and leverage one another's capacities going forward. Okay, great. Thanks, Ian. Mm -hmm. Um, Gerald, I'm going to ask you to jump in and kind of share your thoughts with regards to what you're seeing within your organization from a local level with regards to the organization that you lead, as well as any thoughts that you have regarding things that your affiliates are doing to maintain and thrive during this time. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Uh, the, uh, I think key issues that we are looking at uh, both nationally, first nationally, is really the whole public policy issue, uh, the importance of really uh, really being uh, vigilant in uh, working with uh, both local and our, our national legislative body to really have an impact on uh, public policy that really can, in the future, make or break uh, the environment for not-for-profit organizations, both from a fiscal perspective, but also from a regulatory perspective. So we're investing a lot of time in, in that, uh, that arena of, of pu- public policy advocacy. Uh, the second thing, and I think it goes to what Ian is saying, is utilizing the, the leverage uh, capacity of the national organization to really bring about uh, corporate memberships and corporate partnerships that result in a beneficial impact locally and uh, things such as creating um, affiliations with uh, corporations like Marriott, Major League Baseball, uh, corporations that basically have the ability to have a, a, a national involvement but also a local involvement at the uh, community level in which our various affiliates operate. And uh, really the, the whole issue of bringing value to uh, local membership is is really key with our, our national affiliate, whether it be in some of the areas that, that Ian mentioned, such as really bringing technical assistance in terms of grants, opening doors for uh, corporations to begin to create partnerships. Uh, those are the things that the value-added relationship of the national affiliate brings forward. On a local level, you know, one of the things that we're really looking at is we're really staffing up to staff down. 
And by that, what I really mean is that we're really looking at the fact that there are capacity of their competency opportunities for us really to en- enhance the competency of people in various positions that they hold and really be able to increase the output of work that has actually been done or the effectiveness to have leadership provided. And so we have had a major focus on that issue of really staffing, uh, of staffing up to staff down. Uh, additionally, along with that, uh, moved in the direction that Ian is talking about, with his collaboration around back office functions to create efficiency and uh, both efficiency in terms of service delivery and also in terms of cost. Uh, one of the other things that uh, locally we're spending a lot of time on is really leveraging core service capacities that we have that historically have been safety net uh, funded services, but we've developed a significant competency in that area and shifting that emphasis to really uh, market rate popularities that are similar. Uh, such as, for example, mental health services and residential mental health services, something that basically uh, we developed an enormous uh, capacity in uh, looking at making that available for older children of now aging parents that are looking for quality placements that they're willing to pay for and pay market rate for, for that issue. Uh, we've really looked at this issue of really corporate partnerships as well in a very significant way to both leverage the financial benefit that uh, supports services that we operate, uh, um, looking at uh, opportunities to involve uh, workforce in, in our various programs, in our, uh, our children's programs, in our aging programs. The workforce of corporations uh, really is a, uh, is a major resource that we can use for a volunteer engagement and also tying their social, corporation's social responsibility, corporate responsibility into our mission, finding fixes that fit very well with that and being able to increase the financial support for local programs to be able to add value. And I think the last thing that I really would focus on in this particular area is I can't talk enough about the volunteer engagement. I think this is really one of the areas that we have found uh, that really we need to, to formalize more and devote more attention to, and we're really getting some value-added benefit out of our volunteer engagement, uh, not only in terms of participation, but people are getting turned on and they're opening up their purses and pocketbooks and, and, and the purse strings are really making resources available because people now are becoming owners in some of the services that we offer and look at their opportunity to contribute, not only in a, a, a ser- direct service manner, but in a financial way as their responsibility now as, as owners. So those are some of the things that we're looking at in terms of keeping our doors open and being able to continue to provide the the services that we offer. In terms of things that I think we're going to have to keep our eye on in order to continue to to strive and thrive 
in this challenging environment, which I do believe that we will really be in the in the midst of for another three to four years before we see any real semblance of a, a change in the economic climate for nonprofit organizations. I think it's going to be really essential that a board of directors and donors uh, are engaged in the problem-solving process uh, with with management to really look at you know how do we build effective systems and strategies for going forward that will involve resource um, deployment both of board members and donors to help organizations move through this transitional period I think we have to be really thoughtful and strategic in looking really at where we want to be in 12 or 18 or 24 months uh, into the future and, and making determinations as it relates to what is really mission critical and what are those things that we need to do to be able to strengthen our organizations, to be able to sustain it through this continued period of, of economic turbulence and, and downturn? You know, what needs to be changed, what needs to be kept, and what needs to be built upon? Uh, I think one of the things that is, is really clear is that there are still continuing opportunities to uh, receive funding, uh, both government funding and corporate funding, but they have to be targeted and they have to fit within certain niches. So the game has kind of changed, and I think what we're looking at is how do we change keeping in mind our core mission to be able to continue to grow. So, Joe, let me freeze you for just a moment because I think you just said something that would be uh, very interesting to our listeners. In the um, in the changing climate with regards to where funding is, where funding's not, um, trends that you're seeing, any areas that you're seeing more funding being available for that um, in the past has not been there for? Well, you know, I think that, uh, for example, I'll give you a clear example. Looking at uh, an organization that may do counseling services for for children or families, okay, there's an enormous funding that is being made available through veteran services. Uh, You may not go into veteran housing, but you may go into providing some of those mental health and counseling support services, case management services, to veterans who are a part of families. And so that funding stream is a, a strong funding stream that is available for a transition to and being able to, again, keep uh, aligned with your core competencies and also with your, your, your mission. So you the know, population shift is what's happening you're, here. You're shifting the population. It's who they're funding, who money is being directed to or directed toward. Okay. That, that's correct. Mm-hmm. And I, so we're seeing know, veterans as one population. Are there other populations that I, we're seeing? I, I think you're seeing you're going to see, you know, you're seeing, you know, children's services being another area where there is uh, growth opportunities. Uh, we're still continuing to see growth opportunities at both our state and our federal level uh, with Head Start services and also with preschool services and support services around preschool. So I think that what we have to do is is really look at and open our, you know, open, open our, our, our thought process a little bit more and look at what is it we do well? What is our mission? And where are there other opportunities for us to live out that mission rather than just what we've done all the time? Mm-hmm. I think additionally, we, we, can, we have to understand that we cannot cut, cut, cut. 
our way out of this uh, this, this environment that we're in. Uh, you know, I think it it is important for larger organizations that have more scale to be vigilant and still looking at how they can put in place not only efficiency programs that reduce costs, but how can they really identify growth markets so that they can they can continue to grow out of some of the the challenging uh, situations that they find their organizations in. Um, I, I think these are some of the things that nonprofits can do. Uh, the corporate partnership and, and donor partnership, I'm seeing some very, very uh, good results in terms of corporations that have resources that are willing to support a variety of different services. It's not all just bricks and mortar. Uh, they're really looking at how can they be socially responsible for helping strengthen systems, which is uh, the third sector, which is the nonprofit sector, so that they will be able to support the larger uh, segment of our society. Mm-hmm. Great. So, um, Joan, I know you've kind of transitioned from talking about those things that Volunteers of America is doing and in general what others can do. Any other top-of-mind suggestions that you might wrap up with on this in the next minute or so? Well, you know, I, I think one of the areas that uh, I, I'm seeing um, most important, uh, there are a number of uh, opportunities to um, change our thought process with regard to uh, philanthropy. And I think that um, many times we, we're focused on the government funding side, uh, and that's going to be a side that we're going to be dependent upon. But I think to be able to uh, really emphasize and build a, a strategy around really uh, donor relations and corporate relations is going to be key for being able to, to work our way through uh, some of the leverage dollars that we need to be able to sustain ourselves as a corporation. Talent development, I think, is going to be critical. Being able to hold on to your your best and finest so that you're able to sustain yourself once you get on the other side of the uh, downturn in this economy to be able to build your organization forward. Uh, These, I think, are some of the things that uh, we as leaders have to be really focused on to be able to bridge from where we are as Dupree talks about, to where we want to go. Okay, great. I think those are all some good suggestions, and appreciate your sharing there. Ian, we'll ask you after the break if there's some things you'd like to add um, as relates to suggestions that other organizations might consider to do, uh, to do with regards to um, being engaged in during this time where we're really trying to figure out how to be innovative and strive and, and um, I should say, survive and thrive during these challenging times. We're going to uh, take a short break, and then we're going to ask you to just please stay tuned for more on Leadership Matters. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. 
Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at innovations.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. With us today are our guests, Gerald McFadden, President and CEO of Volunteers of America Southwest, and Ian, um, uh, you know what, Ian, I'm just blanking on your last name. <laughs> Bautista. Thank you, Bautista, President of United Neighborhood Centers of America. We are discussing ways that we can survive and thrive amidst these economic turbulent times. And Ian, we're going to have you share with us some thoughts that you had um, relative to this topic and suggestions for other organizations. All righty. Thank you, Dr. G. And, you know, I would like to, first of all, kind of dovetail a little bit on what Mr. McFadden was mentioning around uh, government sources. And, you know, I have to definitely echo uh, that the emphasis on uh, returning veterans, military families is going to be an area of interest. I, I don't know that with any government source we really want to put all of our eggs in any particular basket, uh, but that is definitely something that I'm seeing as being a trend, uh, something that you know I think especially for your listeners who are in the San Diego area with such a, uh, a high concentration of military families, that may be something to really keep an eye on. Uh, because that's something I think even the Department of, of Defense and the administration I know are very committed to making sure that those families and those returning soldiers are well taken care of mm-hmm. um, with all of their uh, kind of human service needs mm-hmm. uh, and family point. needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think you have to enter into the uh, the whole uh, government funding um, uh, you know process with your eyes wide open and fully realizing that our government at every level, you know, and I'm not speaking to anyone that doesn't know this very well in California, but, uh, you know, on the federal level, state, local level, there are very few governments that have um, enough revenue to meet all of, the, the, all of their expenses. Now, some are willing, you know, to take on debt in order to continue to make strategic investments, but not all. So just realize that. On the private side, one of the additional trends uh, for funding and work that I would probably throw out there to the, to the listeners as being, uh, very promising, and that has the attention and the kind of the dialogue 
uh, an imagination captured of many philanthropic leaders, but also government and private uh, corporate leaders, is this whole area of um, reading on level at third grade. Uh, so I would say stay tuned to that. If you work with early childhood uh, development, if you work with school-age uh, students and their families especially as well, um, you know, pay attention to everything that we can do as a sector uh, to embrace that challenge to get students reading uh, at that level or beyond by third grade because I think that's got the, that's got the attention and the imagination of many leaders captured. I think that there will be resources that will follow along in that area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Thanks, Ian. You know, um, as we are, um, I guess, preparing and transitioning here, wanted to really think about our executive leaders and our boards, uh, where they kind of fit into this puzzle, things that they might do to garner greater support, to lead with greater vision, to stimulate some creativity or innovation. Uh, what are your thoughts with regards to that area? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's time for a little bit of a paradigm shift, and I know in you know the nonprofit uh, world there has been this discussion around stewardship, and and you know people use the word partnership uh, sometimes um, to conjure up images of you know corporate entities showing up on our doorsteps with a big check and looking for a photo opportunity. But I think it's time to switch the paradigm uh, to become true uh, around the concept of partnership. And that means really leveraging each other's strengths and capacities, but also uh, readily admitting and working diligently to, to mitigate our weaknesses as a, as a sector or as individual organizations. And I think that's an imperative that really falls onto the shoulders of executive leaders of nonprofits and also, um, you know, to a large extent to the governance leaders, to the boards of directors that are, you know, uh, that are hiring executives and, and really working in partnership with them uh, to be uh, very effective leaders for their organization. So I think it's time to change the paradigm from, you know, uh, just looking for the next, um, you know, check or the next uh, resource opportunity and entering into conversations, you know, starting really in the boardroom between executives and, and board members about what everyone's bringing to the table, uh, what everyone's strengths are, uh, but then also being very frank and candid with one another about what our weaknesses are so that we can start to enter into conversations with corporate partners, philanthropic partners, uh, government entities uh, that can help us to create a, uh, a much more complete picture of what resources uh, are necessary to uncover really all of the the opportunities in neighborhoods and communities. And, you know, I speak kind of with that focus around neighborhoods just because of the nature of the work that that, um, UNCA and our network uh, does. Um, But that could, you know, be comparable to any uh, circumstance or any situation, whether it's, you know, in youth mentoring or working with older Americans or or whatever the the case may be. But, you know, I think that you're going to see a much more uh, deliberate conversation uh, emerging, and those uh, organizations, nonprofits that are successful are going to have this very earnestly and candidly, uh, first in the boardroom and then with the broader public, around, you know, what, uh, what we're really going to accomplish together. You know, not what we're going to do to be of service, you know, to you or, you know, what um, service provider we're going to become in the next five to ten years, but how we're really going to be partners in making a change, uh, a positive change in our communities. Okay. Great. Thank you, Ian. And, Gerald, I'm going to have you jump in here and give us your thoughts with regards to looking at that picture, um, particularly as it 
pertains to speaking to board members and uh, executive team leaders, you know, their, you know, what we need to them, what they might do to help us uh, during these times as nonprofits. Well, well, thank you. I mean, I, I really do believe Ian hit some very good points, um, as he mentioned, uh, particularly uh, the point about looking at uh, different different revenue streams, because I think that that is uh, extremely important, and keeping your eyes open when you're 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 really moving forward. Uh, additionally, in, in in his discussion about board membership, I, I really do think that the uh, the model for uh, board governance is going to really need to shift and, and, and have some work uh, that begins to really divide the board's role differently. Uh, historically, we've seen our boards as, as more fiduciary stewards of, of what the, uh, the organization and the chief executive officer does. But I think we're going to have to begin to look at our boards as strategic thinking partners for building sustainable futures for organizations which they have governance responsibility for, for really to be the thought leaders along with the, the CEO and other senior managers for really critically thinking about those tough questions that are uh, all too if often really not addressed. And, and I think it uh, was mentioned uh, by Ian, the tough questions, but really getting at those tough questions based on how are we as an organization doing and where are our opportunities for uh, the future or really do uh, we need to look at either retooling our organization in order to be successful for the future. I think this partnership between the board and the CEO is going to really be critical in terms of building a, a vision of uh, what the organization is going to look like in the future. I think all too often, though, uh, we tend to look at more of the same. So I, I think boards are going to need to and chief executives are going to need to really get resources from outside of itself to really challenge and push the envelope. Because sometimes when we talk about paradigm shifts or real strategic change, we're talking about tinkering and, and not making the, the real you know, sustainable, tough questions you know, part of our conversation. So I think that really getting someone to help us look both at ourselves from the inside and from the outside to create good plans of action uh, for the future. Uh, additionally, I, I think we're going to have to see uh, really boards and executive leadership really uh, look at this concept of leadership in regards to creating new areas of opportunity for the organizations. Those that manage the organization are busy running and operating the services and trying to do the best they can with those critical populations that walk through our doors. Leadership is going to have to really step forward and understand that it is going to be the need to be the door opener for uh, the resources that need to be garnered, whether they be financial resources, whether they be policy resources, uh, or whether they be supplemental support resources for the corporation to be able to sustain itself. And I think that that's going to be a major shift going forward, that boards and executives are going to have to look at new ways of garnering resources for the organization in order for it to sustain itself. And, and I'm going to just ask, um, Gerald, any, any um, 
anything come to mind with regards to how they might do that? Or Ian jump in with regards to anything come to mind as to how they might actually position themselves to do that? Well, you know, I, I think it's, it starts, uh, Dr. G, with the, the uh, notion that, you know, if we continue to do the same things we've always done, then we'll end up in the same places that we've always been. And so I think it's important to uh, bring in board members that really see the world from a slightly different perspective, but are good stewards, both in their community and in their corporation. I think it is looking to training institutions that basically have a, a interest in social issues um, that really can help boards and leaders think outside of themselves to create new realities that are mission-driven. Uh, for their corporation. So I think it really starts with really a mental model shift. And once that mental model can be shifted, I think we can begin to then look at what are opportunities to really live out that new model. But if we don't make that shift, we'll find that we will wind up working our way back to some of the same things that we've done in the past, doing them in the future, just with um, slightly different looks to them. And I think that's detrimental to our sector if we do that. Okay, great. Well, final thoughts. Um, Ian, final thought from you, 30 seconds. And Gerald, final thought from yourself. Well, I, I have to just echo uh, Mr. McFadden's uh, definition of insanity that he that he shared with us. You know, if we continue to do the same things that we've always done and expect different results, then shame on us. We have to change. And I think this is a, a great opportunity given the current environment and the real opportunities that are before us with our neighborhoods, communities, and the people that we work with to, to really change the way that we work and the way that we enter into partnership and service with them. Um, so I'm I'm happy to embrace it, and I'm trying to push that same uh, change and that ethic around the embrace of change uh, with our network, and I think that that's largely being received well. So it's an exciting time to live and lead in. Okay, great. Thanks, Ian. And how about yourself, Gerald? Final thought. Sure. You know, I, I, I think that this is probably, uh, as they say, <laughs> this is what uh, CEOs and, and, and executives get paid the big bucks for. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is truly managing during turbulent times. Everybody can lead during good times. I think what we really are faced with is leaders that understand that their job is to be prepared to lead during difficult times. Mm-hmm. I am concerned about the present, but I am very optimistic about the opportunities that are ahead for organizations to thrive if they do the right things now to thrive on the other side of this economic downturn. Excellent. Well, Ian and Gerald, thank you so much for being with us today and for all of the wonderful food for thought that you've given us. And we want to thank our listening audience for tuning in. Join us next week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on how your leadership can matter. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 